Welcome to This Week in Video Games, Episode 8. My name's Tom Kershaw, and I hope you're doing well and you've had a good week. This is a podcast all about the world of video games. This week, we'll get into first impressions of The Division 2 and first impressions of Heaven's Vault, a new open-world narrative adventure game from Inkle Studios. We've also got an interview with Joe Humphrey, the co-founder of Inkle Studios, and we'll be talking more about the upcoming Heaven's Vault. In the news this week, we'll talk Apex Legends, Hollow Knight, a potential Borderlands 3 tease, BAFTA Game Awards nominations, and Microsoft confirm Xbox Live is coming to iOS and Android devices. And finally, we'll round out the week with the all-platform charts. So if you want to get involved in the show, email us on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, comments and video game stories. We're always interested in hearing from you. We're also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. So search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're doing well and you are having a good week. I'm back in London this week after 10 days of travelling for my winter holiday. And uh, it's good to be back in London, although we've got kind of storms rolling in overhead and generally it's been kind of unsettled. I'm just looking out the window now and man, the sky looks angry. (laughs) But I'm really happy to be back for this week in video games and hanging out with you, talking all about uh, video games uh, this week. And it's been another action-packed week of news and releases in the world of video games. So I'm looking forward to going through all of that with you today. So thank you very much for taking the time to download or stream This Week in Video Games. I really do appreciate every listen that we get. And I appreciate you taking the time out to hang out with me each week and talk about video games. So thank you very much. So before we get into the podcast, I just want to plug another video games podcast uh, this week. So Games My Mum Found. It's a podcast where each week the host dives into a different retro video game. Some are great and some are not. Um, So you can find uh, Games My Mum Found on gamesmymumfound.podbean.com. And uh, yeah, go and check it out. Go and give it a listen and uh, uh, give them some of that uh, this week in video game support. Right, so let's uh, dive into what I've been playing this week. Uh, So this week I've mainly been playing through The Division 2 and uh, Heaven's Vault. Um, We're lucky enough to get an early preview build of Heaven's Vault from Inkle Studios. So thank you very much to Inkle Studios for that. That's uh, really, really fantastic. And uh, yeah, with The Division 2, we've got another um, huge, big uh, release on the 2019 calendar this week from Ubisoft and Massive. So uh, yeah, The Division 2, that's uh, that's a big one. So we're going to get into that. Uh, I've also taken a little break from video games this week and I've been playing the Game of Thrones board game with some friends. Uh, we play that via Thronemaster.net. So if you've if you've played the Game of Thrones board game before and uh, you kind of want to play that online, you can play by email and that's available at Thronemaster.net. So um, yeah, if you like Game of Thrones and you like uh, strategy board games, that one might be for you, so go and check it out. So let's dive into The Division 2 and uh, first impressions of the game. 
So the Division 2 is finally out and uh, Massive and Ubisoft, they're looking to improve on where they left off with the first game. So the Division 2 is an online action RPG and it's Massive Entertainment's follow-up to the Division. The original Division game released to much fanfare, however the initial offering wasn't quite up to the standard of its competitors at the time. As the months went by, Massive continued to develop the Division and by the end of the development cycle it was in a really, really good place. So massive pick up from where they left off with the division in their latest game. Played from a third person perspective throughout, you take control of a division agent in Washington DC. The story sets several months after the end of the original game in the midst of a civil war between survivors and rogue groups. So whereas the first game was set in the dark, dank New York City, the division two is set in a lighter, brighter Washington DC. So as you start the game, the agent is defending a civilian outpost and they receive a distress signal coming from the capital. So the agent sets off for the city and meets up with the joint task force who set up their base at the White House. The division controller then sets the agent to work helping out the civilian settlements. So the game's a mix of missions, projects and side quests which you can play solo or as a group. Um, as with many looter-shooter games, it really comes into its own when you're with friends. So matchmaking's really good, and it finds you a team of people if you haven't already got three friends to play with. Uh, the missions are varied, um, and you really take advantage of the cover system. Uh, so the enemies, they're kind of less bullet sponges this time, and their attacks feel fresh. And, to be honest, the game can be quite difficult. So enemies flank you, uh, they throw grenades to where you're camped in an attempt to kind of flush you out. The good thing is, uh, the respawn system is fairly forgiving, so if you die it takes you back to your most recent checkpoint, uh, and you'll be battling enemy factions like the True Sons, Hyenas, Outcasts and the Black Tusks. So Division 2 is great fun. It's easy to jump in, team up and get straight into the action. Uh, you can play through the main campaign solo just fine, but teaming up is also easy. The UI and loot system is fairly complex and will no doubt take some getting used to. However, the loot drops on a regular basis, armour and upgrades are plentiful. So, the skills have been upgraded for the Division 2, so you've got things like assault drones, chem launchers and seeker mines, they're also available as well. Much like any looter shooter games, the end game is really where the action opens up. I'm about 6 hours into the game at the moment, but I'm really enjoying my time with it. So the end game has been prioritised by Massive Entertainment, and this time the Dark Zones have been increased from 1 to 3. The Dark Zones are described as player versus environment versus player, where you can team up with others if you choose to do so. There's a few endgame features to look out for. So you've got PvP, where you can take on other players to prove your skills and earn powerful gear. You've got co-op activities, so you can team up with others to take on some of the hardest challenges in the game. But you've also got clans as well, so you can join a clan, team up regularly, and uh, yeah, get out there with your buds. So it's been promised that new content will be added to the Division 2 on a regular basis, and all DLC content will be free. So you've got new missions, uh, new maps, and new features. Although, DLC will be free, we don't know yet the full details on the in-game monetization features, so Massive have been tight-lipped about that so far, so I guess that's one thing to look out for if you're wary of that kind of thing. I dropped off quickly from the Division, but I think there's enough here to keep me coming back. 
I'm going to follow up with a full review once I've got through the campaign and fully into the end game. But so far, uh, in terms of first impressions, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, I woke up this morning, jumped in, had a quick game. Uh, I went to the gym, uh, came back, and I was thinking, do I have enough time to play a Division Two before the podcast? So yeah, it's uh, it's got its hooks into me, and it's got me thinking about the game when I'm not playing the game. So I think that's a good sign. So the Division Two is out now for PS4. Xbox One and PC. So Heaven's Vault is the new game from Inkle Studios where you explore an open world with archaeologist Alira Lazra and her robot sidekick Six. Your job is to explore the Nebula, an ancient network of scattered moons and solve the secrets of the past. Along the way you decipher an ancient language as you uncover more the story unfolds. So Heaven's Vault is a beautifully crafted game with a compelling story that draws you in and keeps you coming back for more. The main gameplay mechanic is deciphering an entire hieroglyphic language through a series of puzzles. You're presented with the hieroglyphics and guess what they might mean. So as you progress through the game and uncover meaning, related words are translated. So it sounds quite complex, but it's really not. The game eases you into the puzzles and you pick it up quickly and it really enforces that sense of discovery and mystery. And the translations you choose feed back into the story affecting the main character Aaliyah's ideas about what she's found. So the game has a non-linear design meaning you can take on the story in any order that you wish. And the game remembers the choices that you make and the ones that you don't and that feeds back into the narrative for what happens next so it's really neat. Elia and Six travel around the nebula on their ship discovering lost sites, exploring ancient ruins and uncovering the secrets of the past. There's a whole range of characters to interact with and not all of them are happy to see you, snooping around their moons and asking questions. So you start the game as Elia as she's introduced to Six in the main city. Six has been assigned to Elia to help out on a quest to find a colleague who's gone missing. It sounds simple, but the story's gripping and keeps you wanting to find out more. So the game starts with a simple statement, you're needed urgently and off you go. From there you ask questions, discover clues and you're taken through a mysterious world. I don't want to give away too many spoilers but the story is all about discovery. So the story is subtle and the game contains a timeline mechanic which allows you to discover more about the backstory as and when you want it. Each action is recorded on your timeline for you to go back when you want and events from the game are recorded and crucially events from before the game or before you started the game they're also there on the timeline for you to go back to so it's a neat feature of the game which allows you to dip in and find out more when you want so if you don't want to you can simply continue with the story and progress through the nebula so the game's got a blend of 3D environments and 2D art style for the characters which is simple but very effective the characters are partially animated, but there's a real serene quality to the animation which adds to the beautiful storytelling. The audio tells a similar story as well to the graphical art style. It's minimalist, but gives you enough information at the right time to keep you hooked. I was chatting to a character and I pressed them a little too hard for clues and I clearly offended them. The music turned to the minor keys and started to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, much as my questioning of the character must have made them feel uncomfortable too, so the audio and the visuals are really working in harmony. So Heaven's Vault isn't like other games that you play. It's not loud, brash and in your face. It's subtle, it's beautiful and it's really refreshing. 
and the game's got a retro point-and-click feel to it, harking back to Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle. From the first moment I played Heaven's Fault, I was drawn in by the story, the art style and the characters. I sat down for a session and before I knew hours had gone by and I found myself thinking about the game long after the session had ended. So it's great to see a British developer clearly with confidence and they're on form. Heaven's Vault follows on from Inkle's successes with 80 Days and Sorcery. And I'm, I can tell you, I'm looking forward to the full game release coming up soon this spring. And we'll follow that up with a full review once the full game has been released. So you can check out a full trailer for the Heaven's Vault release on thisweekinvideogames.com. Just go to the website and type in Heaven's Vault and you'll see the trailer there. And Heaven's Vault is available this spring on PS4 and PC via Steam. So that's it for the first impressions of Heaven's Vault. And we were lucky enough to get some time with Joe Humphrey, the co-founder of Inkle Studios. And we did a little rundown on Heaven's Vault. Um, what kind of went into some of the design decisions and uh, yeah, the build up to launch for Heaven's Vault. So let's get into it. Right, okay. Thanks, Joe, uh, for being with us. And um, yeah, really appreciate your time. As I know, it, it must be really busy coming up to uh, launch of um, Heaven's Vault coming out soon. I think I think we're just um, in constant deadline mode right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it's like when you've got uh, when you've got a deadline like that. And um, do do you find yourself? Um, are you kind of descoping things now, or are you are you trying to kind of yeah yeah one, more bits and bobs? Yeah, on the one hand, it's exciting because we're getting really close to release. But on the other hand, you sort of on on your list of a hundred things to do, you start to feel a little bit sad because actually you realise <laughs> that the bottom fifty may never actually get done. So, um, just to, I guess just to sort of kick us off, um, what was your inspiration behind uh, Heaven's Fault? Um, so it's a mixture of things, really. Um, off the back of um, working on a game called Eighty Days, um, we wanted to. Um, do something a little more graphical. All of our previous games have been primarily text-based games, um, but thankfully 80 Days and, and Sorcery as well um, have been fairly successful so that we've had a little bit of budget to work with in order to go with something that was a bit higher production value. So um, we were excited by the idea of um, sort of taking the idea of a text adventure and actually making it more of an interactive graphic novel and we wanted to make this kind of dynamic comic book that would tell a story um, but in the end we ended up making it into an entirely 3D game that also happened to have 2D character illustrations in it. Um, the narrative is kind of uh, my co-founder's side, that's John Ingold who's, who's doing all of the writing on Heaven's Vault. Um, which has come together really well. We'd, uh, I'd always been excited about creating our own brand new IP because previously we'd either worked with existing IP holders or, for example, in the case of 80 Days, that, that's um, derived from Around the World in 80 Days, which ah. we've thrown spin on it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really Jules Verne's work originally. It must be really exciting to create your own... Uh, you know the whole you know the whole world and the history absolutely absolutely yeah I mean I, I love that side of things although uh, thankfully for me I don't have to do all of the hard work of 
creating something from nothing as far as the story goes because that's John's area but I mean yeah I'm I'm hugely excited to truly own our own intellectual property this time around yeah you mentioned the art style there um it's a kind of a, a blend of 3d worlds and 2d characters so yeah like i said i was we're, we're working on this comic book um interactive comic book idea and we we always loved some of the, um, the kind of the indie comic books or like the french um french graphic novels and we love that sort of hand-drawn aesthetic and we love the fact that it can it can bring a lot of um I guess emotion to the to the characters' faces because a lot of 3D games the the characters' faces don't they 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 usually look a little bit off somehow a little bit in the uncanny valley yeah uh, models and and so we find that 2D illustration is really timeless and you know I I always like the idea that if you were to design an art style it would be good to design an art style that would work on the previous generation of consoles but that still looks good now because then that suggests that it will be timeless forever um and so i, I just love what 2d illustration can do um while also not entirely having to uh you know using use this uh extremely uh demanding um hardware um so creating something that that will run smoothly as well um yeah could you tell us a bit more about the main characters yeah so um Aliyah Elazra, she's um she's an archaeologist um and she kind of specializes in um tra translating ancient hieroglyphs so that's our main puzzle mechanic in the game that you you can go we created an entire ancient language just for this game um and as you explore these different ancient dig sites but although it's set in a science fiction universe you you export explore these ancient dig sites um with ancient ruins and you find all of these ancient inscriptions that are in a kind of a hieroglyphic language and um, and that forms the main puzzle mechanic of the game so as you find them you can translate them um we like to think of it as the guitar hero of linguistics uh, <laughs> so it sort of makes you feel like you're really doing translation and in a sense you are in that the language works but it's sort of multiple choice so that it doesn't make it insanely difficult and you don't you don't have to be right all the time in fact we expect you to be wrong a lot of the time but no matter what you choose as your translation Aaliyah will take what you what you gave and weave that into the narrative so that's Aaliyah so six is her robotic sidekick um who sort of has this uh he's sort of like a protector for her but he's he's sort of a helper robot and you find out what his true motivations are as you play through the game. I hear he has a, a mysterious past. Indeed, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you mentioned a bit about the science fiction world that uh, it's set in. Um, so that's the nebula? Um, so, yeah, it's set in this nebula that we, we like the idea of creating a space game in which space wasn't entirely just this black void that we find a little bit boring but we like the idea of doing something sci-fi so we create so we set it in this um beautiful um colorful cloudy nebula 
um, that you can sail through on on a, a kind of it's, it's almost like a cross between a it looks a bit like a Leonardo da Vinci flying machine. Um, so it's it's a cross between a boat and a and a, a flying machine that um, flies along on these streams of kind of dust and ice particles that that flow through the nebula, and that's they they, they sort of wind through the nebula a bit like rivers or, or or roads, and you can use them to travel between different moons within the nebula. And so there are these two core locations that are the two main moons of Iox and Elbereth as the sort of like the wealthy and the poor moons um, that, that, that are the prim primary populated locations in the game. But then you sail much further afield in order to discover ancient ruins that are completely untouched. And you um, you mentioned before about the the main mechanic in the game, which was uh, about uncovering inscriptions and deciphering their messages. Um, I understand. Did did you design the glyphs yourself? Uh, yeah. So that's um, so John and I kind of designed the whole language um, together. He's been the kind of the main designer on the language feature. Um, but yeah, the. The, the glyph design has been uh, my area because I do a lot of the UI and graphic design on the game. Um, and it's been a huge amount of fun designing the glyphs. Um, but I, I find it really hard to talk about this stuff because <laughs> I, I don't want to give any spoilers away. Excited to see how people do when they try to make sense of it. <laughs> no problem. Um, and... Um... Feel free to ask me. I just might not answer. <laughs> <laughs> it must be really, it must be really uh, uh, tricky to balance the the difficulty level for the player. And you, you kind of touched on this before, as in you want the you want the the player um, and the mechanic to flow. Um, but you, you you mentioned before it doesn't necessarily get in the way, and you you don't necessarily give um, too much feedback to the player. Is that correct? Um, yeah, so there's definitely a balance to be struck there. We don't, what we don't want to do, yeah, we don't, we don't immediately confirm whether um, you, you've, you've given the right answer or not. But at the same time, we don't want people to, you know, reach the end of the game without any, any idea for sure of, of anything. So actually what the mechanic does is um, after two or three times of correctly placing a word, it will confirm it and she'll add it to her dictionary. So you're sort of in this permanent state of not being sure about the latest stuff that you've been looking at. But as you go through and you find um, either related words or you find phrases, phrases that have words in common, you'll be able to know for sure whether words that you've placed are actually correct or not. And then when you, when you have those words that are added to your dictionary, you can use them um, for similar looking words. Um, so if there's a word for water, for example, then um, you might find the verb for to drink um, and they might have some symbols in common. I see. Um, I also I understand there's a timeline mechanic in the game as well. Could you tell us a bit more about how the player interacts with that? Yeah, so we always liked the idea of visualizing um, Aaliyah's knowledge about the nebula on um, on a timeline that stretches back thousands of years. And the more we played with this, the more we realized that it could serve lots of different purposes because it's, it's a lot of fun. Just um, You can zoom around on this timeline a bit like Google Maps, so you can 
pan along it and then you can zoom in on a particular point and go in from um, a matter of thousands of years all the way into days and minutes and seconds. But we realized that we could also use it for um, the, the game's main plot because it's not just about uncovering history. You're also, there's also this kind of um, plot about uh, a missing academic who's, who's gone off in search of um, uh, an ancient site and, uh, and is trying to uncover a, a lost artifact. And you chase after them because um, they've gone missing. And so this is the plot that, that kind of crosses a span of days or weeks. And so as you zoom in on the timeline, you can see all of the events that you know about that have taken place then. But then because, because time is continually passing while you're playing the game, you're also adding your own events to the timeline. So as you discover certain things, it'll mark things on a timeline. So it's almost like um, your quest log. And then at the same time, because you're recording everything that you're doing throughout the game, it's, it's recording it for you. You're also noting down all of the ancient inscriptions that you've found. So simply by filtering this timeline, you can also use it as a kind of inventory. You can see a list of um, all of the inscriptions that you found in the game and cross-reference them. It's, it really sounds like multi-purpose and... Um, or you're almost taking a couple of different mechanics there and simplifying them into one uh, one space. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the idea. I I I had a quote somewhere that like the definition of a good idea is when it's it's an idea that satisfies multiple things at the same time. It's it works in lots of different ways, and that's that's when you know you've hit on something that's kind of kind of a good golden idea that just makes a whole game brings the whole game together. That sounds fantastic. Um, so it, it sounds like I mean you've got the unique art style there and the really interesting mechanics of uncovering inscriptions and deciphering messages. It sounds um, really really fun. But what was what was the most fun element of um, bringing this world together for you? I mean, for me, I think some of the best moments have definitely been um, while developing the language. So um, in my own life, I've been learning um, German because my, my wife is German and we're bringing up our son bilingual. And um, so I... I I constantly in life have these mind, like tiny little revelations when I realize that these words are related because German, a bit like English as well, is um, words are made up of lots of little pieces that come together to form new words. And when you realize that you know a word because you can work out the the little the the little subwords that make it up, it, it's it's really exciting. And the first time I had that sensation while playing our own language translation uh, minigame, I was extremely excited because I had exactly the same feelings I have with real languages, which is kind of where the, uh, this, this thought I had that it's Guitar Hero for linguistics comes from, because it's the same <laughs> when you're, you're playing Guitar Hero and you really feel like you're playing the guitar, even though you're not. Yeah. And it, it's the same thing, yeah. And it's, that, was, that was a huge high point for me. And then, and then also more recently, just um, I guess for every game that we've worked on, um, I've had the advantage that, you know, I, I design game systems and I design UI and I do a lot of coding. Um, but actually, I don't really know very much about 
how the narrative flows until I actually play it. Last week when I was just sitting down to play the game basically for the first time that I know all of these game systems, I even know all of the, the game art, but just to see it all put together in a sequence to be able to actually play my own game and to enjoy it as a player has, has been really exciting. It, it must be a fantastic moment uh, when it all comes together like that for yeah. you and so, it it really pulls on the the kind of emotive strings uh, even yeah. even though you've yeah. developed the concepts yourselves that is that must be a wonderful moment. Yeah absolutely it's it's definitely one of the best parts of doing game development because actually <laughs> you know it's a relief when you release a game that it you feel really detached when when you put a game out there because you sort of upload it and then it's release day and you know people are downloading it you can see the numbers yeah you see the reviews but it's not like you're sitting in a stadium watching you know 10,000 people play it or anything you don't really have any real sense that people are playing your game and so it's I find it strange that the the process of releasing a game is in some ways it's it can feel a bit um a bit disappointing that it's like the day after Christmas like you you have all these expectations and then you nothing really comes back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I mean it all sounds super exciting and we we mentioned before that it's coming um it, it, it well it's you're gearing up now for launch so how and um how and when can players get their hands on the game uh, so, uh, the, re the official release date right now is spring 2019. Um, basically the truth is it's going to be within a matter of very few months, but we haven't pinned down a precise release date because we want to be absolutely sure that we can hit it when we announce it. Um, but it's going to be very, very soon. Um, and you'll be able to get it from, uh, Steam, um, or you can buy it on PlayStation 4. Oh, fantastic. Is this, um, is this the first time you've released a game on the PS4? Uh, it is, yes. We've been primarily an iOS-focused studio. We, we ported our games to PC as well, but we've been primarily um, iOS and Android, and now we sort of flipped upside down, and we've gone console first um, along with PC, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll probably release an iOS version further down the line. Fantastic. Um, well, I, I can imagine um, with uh, releasing on PlayStation, that must bring its own sort of set of challenges as well. Uh, but yeah, that well, that's that's fantastic and a lot to look forward to there. Um, so just um, moving on from um, Heaven's Vault and a bit more about you um, in the in the research that I did uh, leading up to this interview, um, I, I was I caught up with a talk that you did at GDC uh, where oh. you were talking about <laughs> um, font sizes and making. <laughs> Uh, extra effort in games to make things as access as accessible as possible mm -hmm. um, and uh, so is that something you've really focused on in Heaven's Vault? Um, yeah I guess ever since we started the company that's kind of been one of our primary focuses and it's in in part because um, I guess when Apple released the first iPhones there's been this sort of this wave of interest in like beautiful UI design um, for app developers and we sort of I've always been interested in in that approach and it definitely permeated everything that we did um, when we were working on iOS and then 
it's just natural that when we make our next game um, for console um, with Heaven's Vault that we certainly don't want to lose that attention to detail with um, UI design, especially with especially with um, yeah font, uh, get, getting the fonts right and the text sizing and all of the details of the way that you present text. Um, that's definitely hugely important to us. Um, and also because Heaven's Vault is, it's um, you know it's half and half. It's half a console game, half a PC game. On console, reading text on a TV screen has to be done really well in order for it to not be a really painful experience. It's not really reading text on the TV on the other side of the room is not really something that you do you you kind of relish. It's not. It's not. Yeah. So I mean, the the, the one time when people read a lot of text on TV is when they're watching a foreign film with subtitles and so um if and and actually you know dvd player manufacturers do a pretty good job of um presenting subtitles in a way that isn't exhausting the text isn't too small whereas if you look at a lot of um console games they 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 have absolutely tiny text that you can't see unless you sit right next to the tv so it's definitely something that we want to get right, even if you're sitting on the other side of the road and on the other side of the room. Um, that the, the text is a good size, that it's really readable and really comfortable to read, um, and just creates a really pleasant experience. I understand you've you, in your company as well. You've also developed your own scripting language uh, called yeah. Ink. Yeah, so that's been kind of the the one constant throughout all of our games is that we've we've used this um, narrative scripting language. It's, it's sort of like a cross between um, markup and a programming language that it's designed, it's designed for basically writers who aren't afraid of getting a little bit technical. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's designed to be very friendly for writing. So you can just write in pure text as the, the fundamental basis, but you, you then have little instructions, like little, little arrows where you, you tell the story where to go next and you can insert asterisks like um, bullet points to say what the choice is gonna be. Um, and this way of writing is what's allowed my co-founder John to write so, so much content and so much dynamically branching content. Um, our previous games have sort of relied on um, having hundreds of branches and choices and, and being a really dynamic um, experience of being able to direct the way that the story goes. Um, and Heaven's Vault doesn't branch quite as much, but it takes the dynamism of the story and the interactivity of the story to the next level. So you, even though um, you might see all of the locations in the game in, in Heaven's Vault in the standard playthrough, the way that the story reacts to you and exactly how you play it on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, it's, it, it's, it's hard to describe and it's hard to give you a sense of how that feels until you play it, but it just really feels like you are driving the story rather than the dri story driving you.
No, that sounds fantastic. And I imagine it's a it's a kind of relief to have a game that uh, doesn't necessarily branch off in uh, a million uh, directions. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's true. It's it's great that you've developed your own scripting language, and um, uh, I, I was interested in how you and the studio kind of strive towards innovation. So I know in the, in the in the tech world, um, companies run hack days and do prototyping and testing and things like that. Do you have similar practices uh, within your company? Um, so our approach to innovation is really just that we, it's kind of, in, it's in our souls, really. I, I, it's, we, we find it really difficult to sit and do a game that's similar to any other, whether that means it's a sequel to one of our own games or um, something that's similar to someone someone else's game. We just we're always sort of thinking, what can we do to make the player experience better? Um, we probably make life very hard for ourselves because we naively <laughs> try all these brand new ideas and just expect to get it right first time. But generally, it takes a lot of time and iteration to kind of find our process and find find work out how each new game that we make is going to fit together um in fact we kind of almost every feature gets built and rebuilt several times because we have a kind of a very iterative approach um and that kind of applies to both well, I guess, yeah, it, it, it applies at every level from the kind of the high level game design right down to the low level game mechanics that, yeah, we we exhaust ourselves by building everything multiple times to make sure that it's the best that it can possibly be. Oh, that's, that, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And so, um, so what does the rest of 2019 hold for you and Inkle Studios? Uh, well, so we've got Heaven's Vault coming out soon, and beyond that, we'll um, we'll probably be um, looking at porting Heaven's Vault to other platforms, and then we'll be kicking off um, brand new projects that uh, we really haven't said anything about yet. So secret uh, projects. It's uh, yeah, very exciting. I'm actually quite looking forward to getting back to that stage again. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. That was Joe Humphrey there and myself chatting about Heaven's Vault. So I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you to Joe for taking the time out of his busy schedule. I know Heaven's Vault is scheduled to release this spring and uh, now I guess we're, we're getting into spring now. So we're, we're really um, getting close to, close to the time of release. So I know Joe must, Joe must be super busy and uh, I imagine all of, the, all of Inkle Studios are really busy. So thank you Joe and uh, Inkle Studios for... Um, for your time and uh, yeah good luck with the launch of Heaven's Fault um, and I for one um, am looking forward to that full release so thank you very much. So next up let's check out the weekly news. So first up in the news this week we've got Apex Legends uh, so Respawn detailed their Apex Legends balance patch uh, so they released a patch to all platforms addressing some of the main issues uh, the players have had with the game. So Apex Legends, it's hugely popular. It's had one of the most successful launches that I can remember of a video game. And they've already hit 50 million players worldwide. So congratulations to uh, Respawn. They're fantastic job so far. Uh, and they're doing a really good job. Um, 
updating the community and keeping everyone informed as well. So yeah, keep keep doing a great job. So the developers of Respawn updated people via Reddit and uh, they detailed in the post they wanted to make meaningful, polished updates to the game. So this is opposed to kind of frequent iterations in the live environment as you've got people kind of spending their time mastering the game. They don't want to kind of disrupt the flow too much. So this is this is really nice. They want to make sure that when they make changes, they're kind of meaningful changes, which is which is really good news. So the main weapon changes in the game affect the wingman, uh, so that's the hand cannon, and we've got the peacekeeper as well, that's the shotgun. So on the wingman, the rate of fire has been reduced, as well as the headshot multiplier, that's been reduced as well. Uh, the peacekeeper's reload speed has been reduced, uh, that makes players a little bit more at risk if they miss their shot. The wingman and the peacekeeper's availability has been reduced in all zones, and the energy, weapon, and ammo availability has been increased. So those changes, they're live in the game right now, which is really good. So larger character hitboxes, they've also been discussed. However, no changes have been made just yet. So these changes could be rolled out at the start of Season 1, which really could be any time soon. Uh, however, Respawn want to thoroughly test the changes before making the update to make sure that balance is right. So we, we're yet to hear of Season 1 and Battle Pass news. However, Respawn say news is coming. They say there's a lot of moving parts to a big launch and they want to make sure they get it all right, which is you know entirely fair enough. So you can check out the full patch notes on Apex Legends uh, Balance Patch on thisweekinvideogames.com. Uh, go to the news section and search uh, Apex Legends Balance Patch and uh, you'll find the full patch notes there. Uh, and Respawn also recently released some artwork for the game which you can check out on the website as well. Apex Legends there doing really really well and uh, yeah congratulations to everyone from Respawn once again. And next up in the news, we've got news from Gearbox, and they may have been teasing uh, a little bit of Borderlands 3 for a March reveal. So Gearbox tweeted out some exciting news, and they hinted towards Borderlands 3. Gearbox did previously say that they'd have some exciting news for PAX East this year, and uh, they teased Borderlands 3 uh, with a sign um, with the location for uh, PAX East and the date uh, as well and uh, I think the exit on the sign uh, read number three, so it could be hinting to, it, well, let, let, you know, let's be honest, they're more than likely hinting towards Borderlands 3. So yeah, I mean, the Borderlands community has been waiting for Borderlands 3 for a long time. Uh, we were hoping that we were going to get some details at E3 in 2018. That kind of came and went, and we didn't get any details, but now it looks like Gearbox are teasing Borderlands 3, and they um, Gearbox also teased uh, another game as well um, via Twitter, which we don't know too much about yet. So um, all eyes are on PAX East from the 28th until the 31st of March 2019. And we'll keep you up to date on thisweekinvideogames.com and via the podcast as well for all news of Borderlands 3 and any new IP that's coming out of Gearbox. So next up we've got news of Hollow Knight and the exciting news that we've got um, a physical release of Hollow Knight coming up. So Team Cherry and Fangamer, they announced details of a physical release of the hit game Hollow Knight. So Hollow Knight is getting the physical release at the end of May 2019 according to Fangamer. So you can pre-order your copy now on PC, PS4 and Nintendo Switch. You've got the standard edition of the game, so that includes all the DLC, uh, that's $29 or about £22. 
Uh, that's on PC, PS4, and you and it's um, $34 or about £26 on Nintendo Switch. Uh, we've also got the collector's edition as well. That includes the game, all DLC. It comes in a really nice box. You've got the Quirrell comic book. You've got an art print set and a metal brooch of the night. Uh, so that's uh, $64 or about £49 on PC and PS4. And it's $69 or £53 on Nintendo Switch. So that's hot on the heels of the news. The game's getting a sequel, Hollow Knight Silksong. And uh, you can find out more about Hollow Knight Silksong on thisweekinvideogames.com. Uh, just go to the website and type in Hollow Knight in that search box. So also make sure to go and check out Fangamer for more details on that physical edition. Right. Next up, we've got um, we've got some Halo news that we've all been waiting for and that we kind of teased a few weeks ago. So the Master Chief Collection is finally coming to PC. So Halo, the Master Chief Collection, is coming to PC via Microsoft Store and Steam later this year. Although interestingly, rather than release the whole bundle all at the same time, like it was on Xbox One, the games are going to be coming out one by one. So 343 Studios, they're going to be releasing the games in chronological order. So first up we're going to get Halo Reach, then we're going to get Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, and then Halo 4. So the PC version of Halo The Master Chief Collection is being developed by UK studios. We've got Splash Damage and Ruffian as well. So that news came to us from Inside Xbox. Uh, that was earlier this week. And you can check out the full Inside Xbox news uh, on thisweekinvideogames.com. Just go to thisweekinvideogames.com and type in The Master Chief Collection in that search box. So we don't have an exact release date yet but it's going to be released later in 2019. And no doubt we're going to get some big Halo news at E3. I'd imagine we'd probably get details of the Master Chief Collection for PC. Also, really exciting news. We're going to have news of um, Halo Infinite as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to E3 this year. Okay, so related to that Microsoft news with uh, Halo coming out on PC, um, we've got more news from Microsoft as Xbox Live is confirmed for iOS and Android devices. So Microsoft, they're going to be enabling Xbox Live for all mobile game developers on iOS and Android devices. So this confirms rumours from earlier in February when Microsoft confirmed their GDC schedule. So Microsoft has said they're adding Xbox feature capabilities to mobile platforms to allow them to use Xbox Live achievements, gamer score, friends list and clubs. So Microsoft, they're packaging all this functionality into their new SDK and they're calling it the Microsoft Game Stack. So it's an existing set of tools, but they're now packaging it up neatly and allowing third party developers to use their toolkit rather than just internal Microsoft Teams. So developers are going to have access to Xbox Live, Mixer, and the Microsoft Store as well. So back in February, Nintendo Switch, it was included in a GDC update. However, there's no news of Nintendo Switch and Xbox Live kind of teaming up at the moment. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that relationship. I know in 2018, uh, Microsoft and Nintendo got very, very close to each other and had a little bit of banter over Twitter related to, related to Minecraft, I think it was and crossplay especially and uh, we were all quite hopeful and uh, it was a really interesting kind of GDC update because Nintendo Switch 
was actually originally included in their update. However, it's not clear if something has changed, um, but Microsoft have re-emphasized their commitment to bring Xbox Live to mobile platforms, and that could include Nintendo in the future. However, Microsoft don't have any specific news on Nintendo Switch at this time. So definitely um, we've got GDC coming up this week and we expect, I mean, this week is going to be completely rich in news. Okay, so next up um, we've had the BAFTA Game Awards 2019 nominations. They came out this week. Uh, so the best games of 2018, they're going to be battling out for the BAFTA Game Awards. So the 2019 BAFTA Game nominations have been announced. We've got God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, Florence, and uh, Return of the Obra Dinn, they're settled to battle it out for the best game. So God of War, they picked up 10 nominations in total, uh, and Red Dead Redemption 2, Florence, and Return of the Obra Dinn picked up 6 nominations. Uh, Celeste uh, came in just behind there with 5 nominations. So let's check out the uh, Best Game Award nominations. So we've got Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission, uh, we've got Celeste, uh, we've also got God of War, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Return of the Obra Dinn. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a really, really strong lineup, and it just goes to show the calibre of games that came out in 2018. So you can read the full nominations for the BAFTA Game Awards on thisweekinvideogames.com. Just go to the website and uh, type in the search box BAFTA Game Awards. The mix of indie games that are going against the AAA titles shows a healthy, thriving indie game scene with games like Gris, uh, that's in Best Debut, we've got Celeste, that's uh, Game Innovation, and we've got Overcooked 2 as well in the Best British Game category. Um, so yeah, we've got indie titles littering all of the categories, which is a fantastic thing to see. So the BAFTA Game Awards, they're going to be held on the 4th of April 2019, and if you're in the UK and you want to go, um, when I checked earlier in the week, there was tickets still available. Uh, so yeah, I guess um, search uh, BAFTA Game Awards and check out if there's still tickets available. That's it for the news this week. Uh, next up, let's do a rundown of the all-platform charts. So this week, uh, in at number 10, we've got Grand Theft Auto 5. That's up one from 11 last week. So Grand Theft Auto 5 dropped out of the top 10 for a very, very short while, but uh, it's back in there at number 10 at the minute. Uh, number 9, we've got Metro Exodus. That's down two from seven. And at number 8, up one from nine last week, we've got Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. At number 7, down three from four to seven, we've got the Lego Movie 2, the video game. And then at number six, we've got Far Cry New Dawn, which is down three places from number three to number six. Again, down three places. Um, at number five, we've got FIFA 19. That was uh, number two last week. Then at number four, we've got Anthem. That's down three places from number one last week to number four this week. And Mario Kart 8, speeding up the charts. It's number three. That's up five places from eight last week. So Mario Kart 8 really having a resurgence this week. Uh, that's at number three. And then again, Red Dead Redemption 2, that surges up the charts from five to two. And then fresh in at number one, we've got Devil May Cry 5. That's it for the charts this week. Uh, let's have a look at what's coming up uh, next week.
So coming up this week then, uh, we've got Fate Extella Link. Uh, that's coming out on PC. That's on March the 19th. And we've also got Constructor Plus. That's coming out on PC, PS4 and Xbox One. That's uh, March 21st. Uh, also on March the 21st, we've got Super Phantom Cat. That's coming out on Nintendo Switch. And then on March 22nd, we've got a few games. So we've got Fate Extella Link. That's on uh, PS4. PS Vita and Switch this time. Well, that's surprising, having a PS Vita release. Uh, we've also got the Lego Movie 2 video game that's uh, coming out in the EU. Um, that's coming out on a um, physical edition for Nintendo Switch. Um, we've also got Our World is Ended. That's on PS4 and uh, Switch in the EU. And then we've got Sekiro Shadows Die Twice coming out on PC, PS4 and Xbox One. So... Yeah, just looking through that list, I think for me, uh, Sekiro really is the one that we're looking forward to this week. Uh, From Software's uh, new game, so makers of uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne uh, coming out with their new game, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. So yeah, really looking forward to that one. Right, that's it for coming up this week. And just before we go, I wanted to plug another video games podcast. So Games My Mum Found is a podcast where each week the host dives into a different retro video game. So some are great, and unfortunately some are not. So gamesmymumfound.podbean.com. Go and check them out and give them some This Week in Video Games love and uh, give them some support. That's it for This Week in Video Games today. Don't forget to get in touch about anything you've heard on the show. And if you like what you hear, do subscribe. And uh, if you'd be able to leave us a nice review on iTunes, uh, we'd really appreciate it. It really helps us to get the word out about the podcast. Um, So this week coming up, we've got a huge week of news. We've got GDC happening um, where we're finally going to see Google's plans. So really exciting to see what Project Stream is all about and all the other stuff from GDC. So next week... Next week may be a GDC special, or at least it's going to be action-packed full of news. But also next week, we're going to be taking a look at first impressions of Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and uh, we'll also have our review of The Division 2 as well. So once again, thank you to Joe Humphrey and Inkle Studios for the preview of Heaven's Vault and taking the time out to uh, talk to us on the podcast this week. Really appreciate that. And once again, if you haven't seen uh, too much about Heaven's Vault, I do recommend uh, checking it out. We've got the full first impressions on the website uh, where you can check out a trailer. And uh, don't forget that Heaven's Vault is coming out this spring. But yeah, thanks a lot everyone for tuning into the show this week. So we're always looking for input on the show too. So don't forget to contact us on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or you can get in touch via Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So search This Week in Video Games everywhere and do get involved. I hope you've had a great week. It's been awesome hanging out with you once again to chat about video games. And uh, we're going to get together again uh, next weekend. So until then, I'll see you soon.